But we can go ahead and get started. We are on session three. Session three. And uh, we're going to start by singing the hymn that we have there on the front of the section. Crown him with many crowns. I'm going to try and make sure I pick an okay key here. All right, crown him with many crowns. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns, all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing. Of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Crown him the Lord of years, the potentate of time, creator of the rolling spheres, ineffably sublime. All hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. My praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. Crown him the Lord of heaven, enthroned in worlds above. Crown him the King to whom is given the wondrous name of love. Crown him with many crowns, as thorns before him fall. Crown him, ye kings, with many crowns, for he is king of all. All right. We're on day three, day three in that session. And uh, so we're working our way through Hebrews chapter five, Hebrews chapter five. And um, we just kind of had talked about how Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but instead he is declared to be one, appointed to be one by God himself. Uh, And in that sense, he fulfills the office of high priest um, completely. Uh, At the time that the book of Hebrews is being written, the high priest position is a political position more than anything. Okay, so um, at that time, the Roman governor had huge influence on who the high priest was going to be. And if he didn't like him, he could remove him and pick a new one. Okay? And so, think about it. Think about that. If, um, if the governor of Nebraska got to pick who your pastor was going to be. Or um, if the president picked, the president of the United States picked who the 
president of the Missouri Synod was going to be. Is that a, is that a good way to do things in the church? No, no, it's not. Um, and so that's not the way it was for Christ. God made him the high priest. And so that's just where we ended up. Uh, if you see right above day three, by whose appointment does Jesus hold office as our great high priest? By the appointment of God. God made him our great high priest. And that then leads us into verses 11 uh, through chapter 6, verse 3. So Hebrews 5, 11 through 6, 3. And uh, let's read that section and we'll pick up there. All right. <laughs> this is a, an interesting part of this particular text. Now remember, the book of Hebrews is a sermon that was preached and written down as it was being preached and then circulated as a book of the Bible. And... Um, this is not something that they teach you to put in sermons very often, right? <laughs> we have a lot to say, but you guys are pretty slow and not very good learners. And uh, there's a lot of really important things to talk about that are solid food, but you guys are still on baby food. All these are nice ways of saying... Um, <laughs> Well, you know what it's trying to say, right? I'm sure what's, the, what's the right way to say it? Um, uh, they are hard-headed people, as, um, as it often said, and sometimes we are too, right? And he's saying these things so that they can translate from the basics into the more complicated. Right? He's saying... Lots of the stuff we talk about is the basics. And you need to talk about the basics all the time. Um, Vicar and I were just talking about this the other day, yesterday or the day before. Um, how, as like a pastor, we're always teaching. And as we teach and we work our way through the different things, new people come into church. And so when new people come into church, what do we do? Start over with those things again, right? The, the basic things, the important things. And sometimes it's really hard to get onto the complicated things then. 
because you spend so much time doing the simple things. And now the author of Hebrews wants to move on to more complicated things in his sermon. Okay, so it says under day three, the statements printed below rephrase and expand on the verses included in the reading for today. Read the following paraphrase and answer the questions based on them. Okay, and I'm never a big fan of paraphrases. I'll just tell you that. We have much to say about the significance of Christ being high priest after the order of Melchizedek, but it's particularly hard to explain to you now because your minds are so sluggish and you can't grasp what I have to say about it. Okay. Um, the question that follows that is this. What sometimes prevents Christians today from giving their full attention to God's word? Daily life. Daily life. Different perspective, different teachings, different denominations. Stress in their life. Stress in their life. Stress in their life. There's something that the text is saying sometimes prevents all of us from it. Lack of focus. Lack of focus, yeah. How about this? Just a second. It's hard. <laughs> it's complicated. It's not just simple, right? Um, some of the very smartest people that have ever lived have studied the scriptures every day for hours, and still no one has been able to fully comprehend everything that God is teaching. As a pastor, I'm always studying it, and when you read the scriptures, it's like light bulbs going off all the time. Oh, that goes back over here, or that goes over there. All these connections. And every time you read it, you have that. There's always, always more. And sometimes as Christians, whether it's out of, how goes their paraphrase? Because we're sluggish, or lazy, or because it's more complicated than we can think about, sometimes we never get past just the plain basics. And we have that problem then too with like our confirmation system, okay? Um, we're just about to have confirmation. Uh, a week from Saturday, confirmation. Trying to see who I can. Oh, we've got a couple of them here, right? Clark and Adelaide are going to be confirmed. Does that mean that they've learned the entirety of the Christian faith and that, that they're officially graduating from learning about Jesus? Clark, do you know everything? No. Okay. <laughs> Adelaide? No. Okay. How about your sister Ava? She's been confirmed for a couple of years now. No, see? But sometimes that's where we stop, right? When, when I'm saying this, what's, what should be our response? Yeah, we should, we should repent and we should keep on 
studying and learning more and more and more. Because there's always, always, always more that we can learn in the Christian faith. Okay, yeah. Okay. And that probably determines the order of things as to where it goes. Which way it goes. I I'm just not sure I'm following, but um uh, thanks thanks for the comment. Um I can expand. Well I but you go ahead. Yeah, let's keep going. Um so question B all these things that we've kind of na named some of them. What can Christians do to minimize the distractions? And again, I didn't write this. I would use different language. <laughs> uh, growth inhibiting factors. Okay. Um, what, what should we do to keep studying and learning the faith in depth? Retire from your job. Okay, that's true. That gives you more time. What about those of us who still have 30 or so years to go? Yeah. Be in, be in Bible studies. As many as you can be. Um, with a caveat. From reputable... Christians, okay, what I, what I mean by that is just because it says Bible study doesn't mean you're actually getting necessarily the truth. We could, we could go to a Bible study that we saw a flyer for at the library or something, and they could take texts out of the scriptures, out of context, and slap them together for example, the Bible says Judas hanged himself, and the Bible says Jesus said, go and do likewise. <laughs> Is that the kind of Bible study you should go to? No. Um, go to reputable ones. Ones where, um, remember in the book of Acts, we talked about how you get to become a pastor. Okay, you are educated, you are examined, meaning somebody makes sure the things that you're teaching are correct, then you are called and you are ordained. And not every Bible study operates that way. Not every church does either. Not every church does either, yeah. Like the Berean church or the, the 
Yeah. It depends on every single one. Every church is a little bit differently. Many of them do have seminaries. Okay, so um, Elizabeth's cousin's husband, Elizabeth's cousin's husband, okay, is a pastor in the Evangelical Free Church. And there, you have to go to seminary and get trained, and then you have to be examined, and their call process isn't really called, they're hired, but they do have that seminary education. At the same time, and it's closed now, when I was in Fort Wayne, there was a giant church. Um, is there a Washington Center Road? Is, that, is there a Washington Center? Yeah. On Washington Center, there's a giant white church, huge parking lot. Thousands of people had gone to it. Their pastors were not seminary trained or educated. They just decided to start a church. And it grew huge. So they built this giant building. And then there were problems and the whole thing collapsed. And I think the Catholics bought the building. If that's, You know what church I'm talking about? That's okay. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the details of all the other churches in town. Um, even... I'm going to get in trouble here too, right? Okay. I'll just be direct. Even some of the seminaries don't teach the truth. I'll just use our own um, Missouri Synod as an example. What was the issue that led to the Seminex controversy in the 1960s and 70s? What's that? Well, that was a small part of it. The big issue was... Yeah, that the things in the scriptures are not true. Okay? That th things like Mary wasn't a virgin. Or Noah didn't really live. It was just a story. Right, that's just a story. Okay? And this is the fundamental difference between the Missouri Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. Right? That um, we say the scriptures are God's word. They say the scriptures contain God's word. It sounds like a little tiny minor difference, but if this only contains God's word in here somewhere, but it's not all God's word, then what all of a sudden becomes the task of theology? Sorry. To decide which parts I don't like. <laughs> okay? And, and um, in the ELCA... What, what's the big part right now that they don't like? They don't like that part. Yeah, they're way past that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they don't like um, the words of Jesus. In the beginning, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Right? That's the words of Jesus. And he's actually quoting himself from the book of Genesis when God invented marriage. Right? So what are they dealing with? There's a girl who's been on the news. A girl or a boy? Trans girl. Is it? 
trans girl, so a boy that thinks they're a girl, that's been speaking at the ELCA youth gatherings. And um, his dad is an ELCA pastor. Okay? And um, is it Elizabeth Eaton? The president of the, the ELCA? I believe she is a homosexual as well. Is that correct? Okay. What's that? Yeah, I have a bishop too. So, how do you get there? Well, you say, this isn't God's word, but it contains God's word. And our job is to figure out which part is and which part isn't. So, so when you pick your Bible study, <laughs> well, just a second, you want to make sure not only are they trained and called and examined and all that, but that they also confess the truth. And that's the part that takes a lot of time and effort. Okay, I'm Bible okay. studying. Okay, I'm Bible studying. I'm just doing Bible studying in LW now. Now I'm really going to get in trouble. <laughs> I'm not a pastor. Is it okay for us to study the Word of God without a minister directing us? Yeah. Because they used to have, when I was younger, I went to a different church. We used to have to go and talk to the pastor about the lesson. And he would kind of guide us through it. But now it's on the computer and you have to print it out and you have to figure out, you know, what you're going to teach. And I get really nervous when I do it. Maybe because it's wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How sturdy is the podium? <laughs> yeah. Are you no. So when you throw things at me, right? Um, in North Dakota, when I was pastor, I led the Bible studies at LWML. And then I became the district um, pastoral counselor, and I led the Bible studies also at the district meetings and the convention and things like that. And I think that's probably a good thing for this reason. Here's the part that I'm afraid, okay? Some of the things that are in the LWML quarterly Bible studies are not very good sometimes, okay? Now, so if that's true, why is it good to have the pastor lead it? Because I could always say, hey, this isn't quite right, and here's why. Now, they're supposed to be able to be led by anybody, and they go through a review process, okay, where everything that, even in the district, was being written had to be theologically examined to make sure it was correct. And so when I was doing that as the district pastoral counselor, read through all the things and make sure we're saying the truth. Okay? At the national level, it's not always as good. And the reason is pastors are terribly busy and it takes a lot of time sometimes to fix those things. So I don't think it's malicious. I don't think it's evil. 
And I'm not saying that you shouldn't lead it. So Maureen's looking at me too. She's the president of the LWML, right? <laughs> not anymore. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's start sneaking away. Okay. How far? <laughs> Yes, that's great. And especially in our Yeah. And I hope you know, so you guys meet on Mondays, which is my day off. And that's, I mean, um, if you have a question or something doesn't sound right, what can you always do? Yeah. And I'm happy to help and to be there for so that purpose. Okay, well, yeah. Um, I'm going to say this this way. If there's interest in the pastor leading those Bible studies, we're in a bit of a transition time uh, with Pastor Poppy retiring. When, when a new pastor gets here, Maybe that's something we can do too. Maybe we can find a way to fit that into the schedule. If you'd like. I would like that. I would too. I definitely would. So, okay. I've seen your hand. We're. <laughs> so, Pastor, um, I have many things that I wanted to say, but just uh, directing a question towards maybe what's going on right now. Uh, maybe you could clarify. Maybe that's something a pastor can do is to clarify and help understand other scriptures that might um, cross out what they say. Once Christ has risen, now we can have pork. Or maybe now uh, there is neither man nor woman. I think you know where that is. I can't yep. go exactly to that. But also, you were talking about the governance of the people. And back then, maybe they picked a governor who was going to choose someone that, since they picked the governor, would choose someone they liked. Is that what their job was? And so on yeah. and so forth, is to take it up from there for them. I have one completely different thing. Uh -huh. Careful. It's tipping in the chair, too, because I've oh. seen the legs break off. <laughs> yep. Because um, they're, when I first came to Good Shepherd in 2001, these chairs were used then. <laughs> and uh, so just be careful tipping in the chairs because the legs are not as sturdy as they may appear. So they're, they're older than I am. They're older than I am. Okay. Because um, I, I don't want to see you get hurt. <laughs> Um, so, first thing, there, there is no scripture that counters or cancels out other scriptures. Okay, and the one you mentioned, for example, uh, for there is no longer male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. Um, and that's used by many false teaching denominations like the ELCA. To teach that anyone can be a pastor, whether they're a male or a female. 
And it sounds at first hearing like that's maybe what it says, right? Or even that if Vicar wanted to become a woman, he could. You just have to shave his beard and um, <laughs> wear different shoes with higher heels or whatever. I don't know, okay? Um, that we can do those things because Christ has erased all that. That's not what it's saying. Because Paul writes those words and he also says, I forbid a woman to publicly teach in the church. Okay? We're not on Hebrews anymore, but uh, this is important. (laughs) Okay? Um, And is Paul saying two different things, countering himself? No. When he says there's no longer slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female, he's talking about in terms of salvation. He says, in terms of who is going to go to heaven, it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man or a Jew or a Greek or a a Swede slash English slash German slash mutt, okay? In terms of our salvation, Christ died for the sins of the whole world. In terms of the order that God built into creation, that men should be the head of the household, that pastors have to be men, those things, those are still established and in, in good order. Okay? So, for example, Paul says this in Ephesians. He says, uh, Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And both of these, as Christ and the church relate to each other. Okay? Um, so there is that order that's still built in. And they're not contradicting each other unless you're ignoring the argument that is actually being put forward in, in the scriptures by that. Now, what's the second question? Because I... The, the governance, right. So, because we talked about if the governor of Nebraska picked the pastor. Is it possible that the governor of Nebraska could pick a faithful pastor for Good Shepherd? Yes. Yes. Is it possible that he would not? Yes. yes. Is it possible? I don't know... A terrible much about our current governor. Okay, he's kind of new. Okay, um, I, I think he's a Christian guy from what I've read. Okay, Catholic. Okay, that's Christian. We'll count that. <laughs> um, is it possible that he would pass away, and the next governor was Islamic? Would you have as much faith then in the Islamic ruler picking your pastor? I hope not. Okay? And this is even part of how the Missouri Synod formed. Okay? In um, the state of Germany did not exist until the 1800s. And there was something, uh, that's the time after the Napoleonic Wars, that the Prussians had increased in power, and they were kind of taking over Germany to make it into the state of Germany. 
And as that's going on, the ruler of Prussia decided it's hard to unite all of us as Germans with all these different religions. So there's only going to be two. You're going to be Catholic or you're going to be Protestant. And he made all the different Protestant groups join together into one. This is called the Prussian Union. Okay? And as a result, what did all your ancestors do? Yeah, they moved. Because <laughs> they said, I, I can't be uh, a Calvinist. And so I'm going to leave. And I'm going to go somewhere where I can be faithful to what the scriptures teach. So, that's, I don't know if that answered the question or not. That's the reason that we should be wary. It's possible, and it happened for a long time, that a good Christian leader can pick good pastors. Sure. But there's a lot of problems inherent with that, if that's the system. What happens if the ruler does something wicked? Yeah, it's the state church. Uh, maybe a good example is technically Charles is the head of the Anglican church. Okay? Uh, in England. It could work, but it could also have problems. What happened with Henry VIII? That's how that all came about because he wanted to get another divorce. Okay? There's, the, there's some of the problems. I don't know how we got there. Uh, question nine. <laughs> I think that's where we are. You have been Christian long enough now that by this time uh, you ought to be able to teach others. This is their paraphrase again. In fact, however, you yourself still need to be taught. Not only do you need to learn mysteries of deep import about the priestly order of Melchizedek, but you, even yet, need someone to feed you the milk of faith, that is, the basic truths of God's word. You are not yet ready for the solid food of righteousness. All right. I always love a paraphrase that makes the words much, much longer than before, right? <laughs> um, read a paraphrase of Charles Dickens, and the book is twice as long. Okay? So the question is, what might be done to encourage Christians who are stuck at the baby level of Christianity to move toward maturing in their understanding and application of God's word. Say the first part again. Hearing God's word and being faithful. What if they don't want to? <laughs> That's their problem. <laughs> you kind of have to, don't you? At some point, you have to take a step because if you're going to pray to God, and if you're going to use that intuition or those words that you feel are coming from God guiding you, then you have to be able to accept it. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes there's things in our life that make us have to accept it, right? Um, 
if you're only at the basics and your spouse gets sick and maybe will die, sometimes that drives you to learn more, doesn't it? Or um, if your child decides to do something contrary to God's word, that sometimes forces you to learn more, right? Sometimes can backfire, of course, then too. Maybe then you throw out everything and find something just to let your family get along with you. Um, what else? Yeah, not learning the details and the deeper depths of the faith leaves you vulnerable to false teaching. Right? What if the doorbell rings and the two guys with white shirts and ties and name tags are there and you don't know anything about what they're saying? Does that put you at risk of denying the Holy Trinity? Yeah. Okay. Um, if we don't know everything, and we have to remember that, is it okay to find the good in what someone is trying to teach us? What do you mean it's okay to find the good? Well, to, to go to good Bible studies? God spread out everyone, you know, at Babel. Yeah. And uh, they had different languages. Yep. Yeah, we do want to always be eager to learn. The way to make sure the things that we're learning are the truth are to never just accept what someone says because they say it, but always to go back and say, is that what God says? Right? And I hope you do this, right? Don't, I'm going to pick on Pastor Poppy since he's here. He's been here for 26 years, right? Since he's not here right now, but he's been here for 26 years. I hope you're not a member of this church and believing things just because he says it and you've known him a long time. I hope you don't believe things just because I say it. And um, I guess I haven't been here as long. But what, why should you believe the things that I teach? Yeah, because it matches what the scriptures say. That's always the... Um, not catalyst, um, what's the word? The measure, the measuring rod by which our doctrine must be checked. And that goes for any teacher or any person. So, so if the Mormons do ring my doorbell and come in, um, 
what's going to be my tool when I talk with them about faith matters? The scriptures. The scriptures. Right? Um, because their doctrine does not match what the Bible teaches. Their doctrine does not match what um, archaeological evidence teaches. <laughs> okay? Ours does, by the way. Just want to be clear on that. In both cases. And so those are the things to point out and talk with them about. And it has to be a little bit more tactful than you're crazy heretics, slam. <laughs> right? Or uh, a little bit more tactful than you're going to hell. <laughs> Does that make sense what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we have to say um, it's not beneficial for us to continue the conversation. But I would encourage you also to use your scriptures and the word as the opportunity presents itself. Okay. Um, what, what else can we do to encourage those who are at the basic level. Invite them. What's that? Invite them. Invite them. I think that's, that's what I was looking for, Lynn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when the vicar and I were talking about this the other day, I pointed out John chapter 1, Philip and Nathaniel, what they do, um, the one of them says to the other, I think I found the Messiah. And the other says, I don't know about that. It sounds pretty crazy. And I think it's Nathaniel says, come and see. Which is a fancy way of saying, come with me to church and we'll study it together. Come sit next to me in the pew or in the fellowship hall during Bible study and we'll look at it together. Um, people who have been confirmed, right? How are we going to make sure Clark keeps coming to church uh, in nine days after he's confirmed? Yeah. Or when he's here, say, Clark, it's, it's glad, we're glad that you're here. We're good, it's good to see you. Okay? Um, you know, Clark didn't come to church last Sunday. He skipped and stayed home. This is the second time he's missed church since he's been here. So, you know, we say, Clark, keep coming and hearing. He did go on Tuesday morning, though. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes? Okay. Good to know. All right. Is there anything here that says about our upbringing? 
baby, the milk? You know, is there anything that's saying something about our upbringing, how we're raised, how we how we feel about things mm-hmm. as we're coming to grasp with where we want to hear the truth? Yeah. What I would say is the idea that our experiences and feelings and thoughts can change the truth or the reality is a very, very new idea. It comes out of uh, this, it's called postmodernism. It's big in the 50s, okay? Um, And I'd say we should not trust those things to determine what the truth is, okay? I was raised in a church that was not Lutheran, and I remember this sermon, for example. The pastor said, I went on a bike ride in the mountains. We got up before dawn and started riding our bike up this mountain. And we got just to the top of the mountain right as the sun was poking out over the top of the the opposite mountains. And there was a beautiful sunrise. The sky was pink. The mountains were green. The water was trickling. And as I saw all this stuff, I just felt a sense of awe. And I knew because of that awe, that feeling that there was a God. Now, what's the problem with that? Did it take that for him to figure that out? Well, okay. The other problem is this. What about when you get up in the middle of the night, because you have to go to the bathroom, and you try to tiptoe around the bed so as to not wake your wife up, and you step on the pair of shoes that you left there and trip, and then you kick the door frame with your little toe and it hurts and you fall over onto the ground and make a loud thunk and then you yell ah and your wife wakes up and says what are you doing how do you feel then and what does that say about the existence of god or okay maybe that's a silly example when you go to the doctor's office and they say you have stage three cancer or stage four cancer. How do you feel then? Are things going the way you want them to? What does that say about the existence of God then if it's based on your feelings or your experiences? It has to be external. And that's the beauty of who God is, is that it is external. And that whether we're happy or sad, or scared, or indifferent, God is who he is, and we know that because of what he says about himself. I would not say that in terms of like God being a watchmaker 
who, maybe this is the way to say it, okay? God did make these genes, okay? Um, he made the cotton grow on the plant. He made the man who harvested the cotton and the man who made the, the yarn? I don't know, what do they make the genes out of? Yeah. Fabric, I'll just say fabric. Made the fabric. He made the man who made the machine that sewed it. He made the metal that's in the needles that sewed it. He made all that stuff. But I got to choose if I wear them or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So God's not controlling us like we're a puppet. He's not controlling us in that way. He's not... Because um, if we say that, then all of a sudden he becomes evil. Because when I stub my toe and the bad word comes out of, well, okay, I don't do that. But when Vicar stubs his toe <laughs> and the bad word comes out of his mouth, if God is controlling everything, then God made him do evil. And then that means God is not good. Vicar Sometimes it sounds like a sailor, so that's why I said it. <laughs> this what? God will work through the good and the bad for what His will is and for what His purpose is, and that is, is that we are saved by faith in Christ, by grace. And so that's the thing. If God is external and he is who he is and he tells us who he is, in all those things that we face, good and bad, we know he's going to work through it to bring us out of this world of sin and sorrow and into his kingdom, just as he promised. And that's true whether I believe it or not, that's true. Whether I want it to be true or not, it's external of me. That's God's will. And I can thwart it. He can give me that gift and I can throw it in the trash. But the will of God is that all men are saved and come to the knowledge of him. Okay. Did you raise your hand, Lynn? No, okay. I didn't know that I was thinking. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I, keep, I keep thinking we all sin at one point or another. We all still sin. And that can't come from God. Right. It does not. No matter whether it's words or actions or whatever. So we need to still repent of what we have Yes, and believe, and believe his word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, we should at least finish question B here, okay? <clears throat> um, how does spiritual immaturity sometimes show itself in behavior? <laughs> Maybe we've already answered it some. How does spiritual immaturity sometimes show itself in what we do? By words. By, yeah, by our words, by our, our deeds, okay? The words the vicar says when he stubs his toe. The, um, yeah. 
I. What else? Anybody? By being stiff-necked and stubborn and and bullheaded, and, and I don't want it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, it has us read First Corinthians three one through four. Does somebody want to read that also? But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it, and even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Paulus, are you not being dirty human? Yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, um, we have tried to say, do we know who wrote the book of Hebrews? No. Does that sound like the same thing that the author of Hebrews is saying? That Paul says? Does that mean Paul wrote Hebrews? <laughs> Vicar says so. Um, yeah, we just don't know for sure. What's that? Maybe, yeah. Just like a vicar to steal all the good ideas. No. <laughs> just it's still it's, God's word. It's still God's word. Yeah, I'm not denying that at all. Um, it's, that parallel is one of the reasons people say maybe it's St. Paul that preached this sermon. All these things where we fall short of the glory of God are the indicators that we still have a, a space to grow in our Christian faith. Okay? And um, who's the oldest person here? I don't know. Maybe we don't want to find out. Ah, Char! You? We'll go with that. Char, how old are you? 87. 87. Do you still have room to grow in your Christian faith? So it doesn't end. No, no. Hear that, Clark? Even after you're confirmed, you still have more to learn about the Christian faith. Okay? And that's for all of us. And that's why we need to be in the Word. Okay. So, God is love. And this is where we are when we're younger. We're all wrapped up in the love. Love of mommy and so on and so forth. And everything's about love. But we have to move forward in the law as well. And we want to we wanna increase in the faith. And to... Okay. What would you rather eat? Maybe we could ask the vicar. Okay. Um, a little tiny jar of peas that have been cooked until they lose all integrity and squish into just a smooth paste. And not green like the sweatshirt back there, but that 
pale, kind of nasty green that baby food peas are, or a nice, thick strip cut out of a perfectly cooked prime rib with all sorts of spices on the outside and a nice little, no, not little, big bowl of au jus to go with it. Which one of those do you want? The baby food peas or the prime rib? Give him the meat. Give him the meat, okay. Yet so often, in terms of theology, we just keep eating the peas. Okay? And that's what he's saying. It's good to go into the depth. The scriptures are not the Platte River, a mile wide and an inch deep. They're the Amazon, I don't know, was that the biggest river in terms of volume? Okay? They're thousands of feet deep and a mile wide. There's a lot there, and we should keep on studying and learning and hearing the truth from it. I yep. don't know how many times I read a passage that I've read lots of times, and all of a sudden, there's a new insight that I had never thought of. <laughs> and that, I think everybody probably experiences that sometimes. My kids will attest to it in me. See how I'm picking on me, kids, not you. Uh, I listen to it um, while I'm driving around. And I'll hear something, and all of a sudden I'll back up and listen to it again, and I'll, aha! <laughs> and the kids are like, are we going to get in an accident? <laughs> okay. There's always more. There's always more. And it says it in the preface to the small catechism, or is it the large catechism, Vicar? Luther says something to the effect of, how can we expect to learn in one read-through what God can never stop teaching? Mm-hmm. We have to be willing to, to right. And and that's where a lot of the errors come into the church is people wanting to stay in their comfort zone. Okay, so we picked on the ELCA a little bit. Okay, in terms of uh, even the passage, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. What's the real reason that they want that to apply? to things like the pastoral office because they're in their comfort zone then and it's uncomfortable to think that God's word prohibits something we think is true and the place you see this the most is uh, so Vicar has been struggling with murder lately (laughs) He's been murdering people, and when I have to go to him and say, you're murdering people is sin, and it puts your faith at risk. And if you continue in that sin and abandon God, you'll be in hell. When I have to say that as his pastor, is that easy or hard for him to hear? Does it keep him in his comfort zone where he's murdering people? (laughs) Or does it hopefully... (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I know where I'm going, so that's all right. See, so when we're, yes, we have to get outside of our comfort zone in terms of letting God's word be true in its entirety. Char, I saw your arm. I was just going to say, I think that's a good point. Um, 
Yeah. There's. So we've got to bring it to a close. We're out of time. We need to always be studying the Word, always hearing the Word, always being where God is giving His gifts. And we need to keep endeavoring together, I guess as a Bible study, to get into the truth of what the Scriptures are teaching and uh, deeper and deeper into God's Word. Okay, I think we're out of time. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.